Didn't know they still had a team. Yeah, we got uniforms and everything. It's really great. <laughs> it's Maddie and Patty, coast to coast. Welcome to Cleveland Sports Hour. We are two self-aware but unapologetic homers who spend far too much time watching, reading, and thinking about the Cavs, Tribe, and yes, even the professional Cleveland football team colloquial known as the Browns. What? They're back, Maddie. They're back. What? What? We have a professional football team in Cleveland. What? <laughs> so listen, if you like the informed, intelligent, oh, perspective on all things, you have come to the right place. In New York, this is world champion Pat McMenamin from San Francisco. I am joined by fellow world champion Matt Younger. Say hello, champion. Hey, champ. How you doing, buddy? Good. Been a while. Uh, yeah. Is, is this a thing still? Uh, yeah. It, we're doing it, so I guess it is a thing. Yeah. I was, you're here, I'm here. Hey, thing. we might as well do it. Uh, hey, this is weird. This is very weird. A, a lot's happened since we last potted, but, which, by the way, I noticed our last episode was ominously titled The End. Whoa. Now, I think we were talking about LeBron because this was our, uh, it may have been our finals preview. <laughs> yeah. Where we knew what was going to happen and we were just kind of too bummed out to pod after that. It's quite we dispiriting. Knew, yeah, we knew it was coming. I mean, it was the end of LeBron's time in Cleveland, and we were speculating where he's going to wind up and all that. Uh, so that was what the end meant, but it sort of also meant the end of the podcast for a while. Although, uh, to be fair, our time difference was too, was too crazy. I had a morning show. You're on the West Coast. It was impossible to find times to do this. Uh, I now have a, a, a new time shift, so we're hoping we can get this to be more regular going forward. So I hope so, Pat. There's exciting things to talk about. There are exciting things to talk about. Well, I mean, we'll see. The baseball season is kind of a slow draw, so I don't think we'll be that you know fast and furious. But Maddie, when when Brown season starts up, Patty, I gotta I gotta tell you, I'm scared. This might be. Every, I mean, this might be every week. I'm this is the time. Oh, oh, that was a that was a, a hello from uh, 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 Mrs. Patty. Ooh. Stopping by to say hello to Maddie. Ooh, tell her um, I say hi. Oh, I, I will. I will tell her Patty, that. Patty, I'm, this is this is the time for Browns fans to be scared. Somebody made that point on our thread this week, <laughs> and it was quickly dismissed in the euphoria of the moment. But um, I let's just jump into this, right? Yeah, let's jump um, in. Exciting, no doubt. My my quick take, and we'll dive deeper. Is yeah, you got to make that trade a hundred times out of a hundred. Um, I don't. I, too much. Too good. I don't like. I'm nervous. I don't know how to handle success. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, very, it's very frightening. I'm waiting for something bad to happen. This is going to blow up in a terrible way. I, I got a lot of nerves. I'm used to yearning to be excited about the draft because they don't have to do anything. They just yeah. like draft guys, and I can say, "Oh, they're going to be great someday," and, yeah. and, and worry about it falling apart later. Now it's like we're expected to to do shit. Oh lord, this is weighing heavy on me. I mean, this is like <laughs> this is sort of like how cast fans know how to handle be champions. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> we're not used. Very to, similar. We don't know what to do with it, uh, and there's a sense of dread. But like, I was like, fuck. But again, this is part of look. I I start this podcast, Maddie, by greeting you as a champion, as a reminder that we are fucking champions. We don't need to worry about this shit. We can be cocky and worry about the the you know crash and burn later. This is true. This is a 
it's a wonderful time to be excited, and there is plenty to be excited about just with this team right now. It. Lean into it's it. Pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. That, that, I'm just acknowledging that that's lurking somewhere in the back of my head, but we oh. don't need to dwell on that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, it, it's always there, but I've, I find a way to tamp it down because, uh, again, I have that championship. I have that uh, Game 7 uh, uh, tape to go back to whenever I'm feeling down about Cleveland sports. Yeah. And it's a different world now that we have that championship 2016. Uh, there, and there really is every reason to be excited about that. I mean, there was if we had been potting, there was every reason to be excited towards the end of that season. Um and I mean, this off season, I, I don't know, let's get into it. It's gone about as good as I think it can. Let's into it. And, and, let, and let's be clear to, to listeners. Uh, we're not, not just going to talk about the Browns today. Uh, uh, Browns will talk about, well, for, for once, for a while, we, I mean, we totally banned the Browns. From yeah, the for good podcast. reason. Yes. I refer to them as the semi-pro team. Uh, they are now fully pro team. Uh, hence the major league reference at the top of the show. Uh, but we're going to talk about the Browns at the top. We are going to spend some time talking about the Cavs, LeBron, Kyrie, uh, and also, like, Indian season starting up in, like, two weeks. Yeah. Opening day. Soon. So we'll, talk about, we'll touch on that, too. But, um, yeah, let, let, as you said, man, let's dive into it. Uh, I, I will start with just the, pointing out that just 14 months ago, at this time 14 months ago, we were having a perfect season parade for an 0-16 team. Oh, yeah, that was fun. And now we're talking about Super Bowl contention. What? I, that is the beauty of the NFL, though, right? Yeah. It makes for the quickest turnaround uh, in any of the major sports. We've only been waiting for it for about uh, 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> for that quick turnaround to happen. Well, that's what they say, right? You get a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. A couple exactly. guys have some stuff planned. And I know you, I know, I know you want to talk about the, the, the fall guy and all this, Patty. Oh, oh we'll get to him in a second. Okay. Hold on. I'll let hold it, on. but. For, this first is, and foremost, the residue of that work. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. But the first and foremost, uh, I, I found that the parallels to the LeBron returning home announcement to be incredible. Like people have been reacting to OBJ, the OBJ trade, like LeBron coming home, mm. which is crazy. Because I, I love. I remember talking about how good the city felt. Like that was the phrase our friend uh, uh, Versteeg uh, uh, shared. He said, "Like everyone's talking about, saying the city feels so good right now." Yeah, the day that LeBron announced he's coming home, and I I catch a scent of that in Cleveland now to the point where like you know the the, the link I sent around earlier uh, of this guy who was screaming so loud and running through the streets uh, uh, celebrating the OBJ trade uh, prompted a nine one one call to the police. <laughs> that someone was being crazy or threatening in the streets. But really, he was just excited about the OBJ trade. Like, this this feels like the same thing. I mean, is it as big of a deal? Is, is it the same thing? So, objectively, sport to sport, no. There's no – LeBron's, you know, in my opinion, the best player of all time. Coming yeah. back like that and healing old wounds, there was so much caught up in that. What it does speak to is how much a bigger deal the Browns are to the city of Cleveland than – than the Cavs or the Indians for that matter. Absolutely. Uh, and that, that passion has lain not quite dormant, but has certainly been shit all over. Can I say that by the performance <laughs> yes. of the team for the last 20 years? Yes, you um, and when you get a glimmer of hope, man, you forget that that is a football town first and foremost, and you really see it come out there, man. So no player to player, the comparison doesn't work, but on the scale of emotion for what that city cares about. Yeah, mm -hmm. I get it. 
Well, and I'll also say, it, 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 you know, the Cavs, when LeBron came home, were much worse than the Browns right now, before OBJ. Yeah, things the felt like the Cavs had really, another bad season. Right. It wasn't clear that the young players were working. The plan didn't really feel like it was, and we had a crappy coach. It was a, it was a complete turnaround, whereas, yeah. like, this case, like, we have one step. We have one year. But still, one year ago, we were 0-16. Yeah. And by adding OBJ, like before OBJ was added, we were going to be a really fun, uh, scrappy team that was probably going to be in the play. It was almost certainly going to be in playoffs. Oh, like, I think, you know, I think depending on what else happened in free agency in the draft, we might have been very well favored to win the division. Yeah. Still. So we still. Still, we still had good odds anyways. But it was just that like a year ago, 0-16, and, and now we are talked about as Super Bowl contenders. We are uh, 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 in the top three for the AFC. Like that was a that you know all of a sudden we we reached the expectations of that Cavs team after LeBron came home, yes, and and so that that that's, that's what similar it, too. That's yeah. fair. Um, but yeah. Now I also think that puts probably too much on one player in this circumstance, and and just is a, a difference between football and basketball there, right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But we'll get into that a little bit in terms of what. Uh, <sighs> How good OBJ is, and how he how, how much better he makes everyone else on the team. Like that's the real big uh, the big uh, mm-hmm. uh, multiplier there. Uh, but yes, let's get into how this happened in the first place, and, and who really is to be credited uh, for this uh, coup. Uh, everyone is talking up uh, uh, Mr. Dorsey, uh, but Maddie, I think a thank you is in order to the the, the real hero of this story. Mr. Sashi Brown. Boy, this is really – you've been riding this narrative for a long time, Patty. Well, I am a Sashi truther, Matty. Uh, you are indeed. Uh, I, re- I remember saying uh, uh, I wanted Sashi to stay and not Hugh. I think that's probably the right take, even though it's in a weird re- In retrospect? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't fully confident about it, but I was like, I don't think Sashi should go. I think Sashi's on the right, 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 right track. I think was, I may, may have been okay with keeping Hugh and Sashi for some stupid reason, just because it didn't matter if we were winning right yet. But yes. I was like, Sashi's the guy to keep because he is killing the assets, even though he's fucking up a lot with draft picks. <laughs> and the Agent McCarran thing, the Agent McCarran thing always smelled like Hugh being a fucking douchebag. I still it believe did. today that Sashi Brown intentionally knew what he was fucking doing and fucked that trade up on purpose. I believe that to this day. I'm a Sashi truther. Uh, Agent McCarran has, has, has huge fingerprints all over it, and I feel like does indeed knew what he was fucking doing and fucked that up on purpose. So, anyway. Point being, Sashi, though, think about, let me walk through Sashi's accomplishments. Can I do that real quick? Yeah, please. Yes. Uh, aside from, one, he created all the cap space that made this possible, number one. Uh, Agreed. Two, That's the basic the, the basic tanking plan that he exactly. executed. Exactly. Uh, he accumulated assets. Uh, he, he traded a punter for the fourth-round pick that Dorsey used to trade for Jarvis Landry. Ooh, that was good. Punter. That was Sashi fucking Brown. Yeah. Uh, Sashi's trade down gave us Jabril Peppers, which was used in the deal. Yeah. He also drafted Miles Garrett, David Joku, and uh, Larry Ogunjobi in his last yeah, draft. Those are all good picks. Those were fucking great picks. Uh, and I still think the trade that he made with Houston was a fucking coup where we got a second round pick for taking on cap space when we didn't need to win. Uh, I forget how we ended up using that, that second round pick, but point being, I think that maybe oh, where, we, where we picked up what's his face was it Zeitler. Um, 
No, no, no. Oh, no. Sorry. I'm, th- I'm thinking the quarterback we traded for. Ah, shit. Yeah. That I'm right. blanking on. What's this? It was in Denver and, and the, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Point being, Sasha laid the groundworks for this. And uh, while he's probably not a great you know, football man, and like, I'm glad that we have uh, uh, Dorsey uh, in place. He's, he's been pulling the right moves so far, I have to say. Uh, you, you don't get any of this without Sashi Brown. And if the Browns ever win a Super Bowl, I want him to get a fucking ring. Uh, Sashi Brown is, is as much the architect of this team as, uh, as Dorsey. So, just going to say it right now. Sashi, right or die. Yeah, he uh, – what's he doing now, Patty? Do you know? <laughs> I, should, I, should, I don't – I have no idea. I wish I, I thought think, of that. I sort of think he's out of, uh, out out of football. football. Yeah, for sure. Right? He also might just be, like, living large because, you know, that, that, anyone gets fired for the Browns in a high high, high, high stake position gets, like, a lot of money for a while. So, Yeah, that's true. I'm sure he's collecting paychecks. I'm, I'm really Googling this right now. Uh, he, he, he appeared at the Sloan Sports Analytic Conference. So, I, I, I don't know. That's something. I think he's just kind of chilling. Sounds great. Hey, enjoy Patty, it, man. Patty, that was Brock Os- Osweiler we traded for. You'll Brock Osweiler, yes. Brock Osweiler. I don't and know I, th- I think that pick might have turned into Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, maybe that, maybe that was a watch in the end of the day. But you know what point is? We wasted that pick on Deshaun Kaiser and not. Well, Other... Deshaun Kaiser turned into into Randall, right? Oh, that's true. That's true. See, Although that's Dorsey's work. I, Patty, I, I feel I, I appreciate the true thing, and I think it's there. I also sort of have the feeling that Sashi Brown did some good things. I don't know that he was the guy to take us home. I feel oh, much no. more confident in Dorsey's hands right now. No. Uh, if for no other reason than the, than the Baker Mayfield pick, which was not consensus by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Although I will say, I do think that uh, I, I don't know what the word is on what's his name, uh, uh, De, De Podesta, uh, but that was the analytics pick. The yeah. analytics over Baker Mayfield. That would have been a Sashi pick, most likely. I I, I think yeah, just that, all right. That's a lot of that's a lot of projection there, Patty. I mean, the, funny, the funny thing is, is 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 I. I I, I, I haven't seen anything that said that the Podesta was against uh, Baker Mayfield for that pick. I've only seen the conflict between De Podesta, you know, the Moneyball guy, and Dorsey over coaches. And clearly, De Podesta has been wrong a lot about yeah. the coaches. Although there was a great article that was saying that it was not the guy that De Podesta was pushing for with Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson was not his choice. He he was pushing for uh, a Panthers. No, guy. I think that was. The- that was a that was a Haslam call, right? The Haslam call, yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe the but, biggest deal of all here is that it seems like Haslam's just out back out of the decision making processes, right? And thank fucking God. I mean, like, there's that, a clear line of command. There's an adult in charge. Yes, exactly. That's I think that's the reason to be most confident. All right, so let's get back to the deal. Uh, all right, deal, deal itself. OBJ for the 17th pick, the last pick in the third, uh, which is a Dorsey move, uh, trained Danny Shelton. Mm. Uh, who was a who was again who again <laughs> Shelton was a Sashi pick uh, and Peppers I, I miss Pep I, I'm bummed about losing Peppers I don't think we're going to be able to replace him with a guy who's better that's that's lost um, but how do you feel about that price tag I mean, when I, know- I first saw that the trade went down I was worried that it was going to be like a um, a Khalil Mack 
style trade. Yep. Yep. Multiple first round picks. And I was not in favor of that. Yeah. Uh, and as Agreed. soon as I saw the terms, I was like, this sits fine with me. A thousand percent. Absolutely fine with me. Peppers felt like he was coming around and was a good player, but I never felt like like he's going to be a star. But the funny thing is, 17th and the third to me is obviously a steal. It, it hinges a little bit on what Peppers becomes. Uh, you know, uh, it, a little. A little, but like if Peppers is what he is now uh, or a little bit better, uh, is it still a good deal? It's still a solid deal for the Browns. It's not like the huge steal it was. But like that, this, it's worth recognizing. That's a first. If Peppers becomes what he could be, a first round pick, like a real like value, uh, that's a lot. That's two firsts, basically, right? Yeah. So like, think about it that way. It's 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 a high price to pay. Like our friend Ned was talking about this. It's just not a, this is not a cheap price. I think we've been over 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 dumping on the Giants a little bit. This was this is a serious price to pay. Uh, but it does depend on. Uh, how uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's right. I mean, he was a first-round pick. I don't know. Just because he's playing and is a starter in the league doesn't mean that that's, that's how you'd value him, right? If you were right. going to trade him straight up right now, I think what I saw was a fourth-round pick maybe is what he would have fetched on the open market. Mm -hmm. So that's not first-round pick value now, even though that I understand that's where he was taken. That's, uh, uh, that's fair. That's fair in terms of the value. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, and that's, but, and I think rounds, maybe we're, we're underrating – OBJ here. Yes, and we'll get to that in a minute in terms of what the 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 impact is going to have on the team. But I I, I am going to miss I am going to miss him uh, because it, one of the things we we're looking for we we're looking for Earl Thomas we're looking at I think what's his name from the Eric Berry has been released by the Chiefs. He's, a little, he's still old. out there too. I mean he's a little old yeah. and a little injured, a lot injured, a lot injured. And the thing is, like the difference is that like he what Peppers wasn't a free safety; it's a strong safety. He's the guy kind of like loads the box, so to speak. Uh, mm -hmm. Reading is like that's not where there's the depth in the free agency market. So we may need to go, you know, into the draft uh, or just you know use Derek Kindred, I guess. Um, yeah. So so that's so that is that is a that is a loss. That's a real loss in the defense, which we'd really bolstered in the offseason so far. So that, we'll we'll see what comes of that. See, see what they do with that. But yes, I trust Dorsey to be thoughtful about that, though. Agreed. Agreed. But yes. What did OBJ do to the offense? I mean, boy, all of a sudden, boy, oh boy, <laughs> all of a sudden, it makes everybody better because you've got you know, OBJ who can do underneath and, and over the top routes. You have Callaway who is pretty much just over the top routes. But yep, you have now your now your third receiver, third receiver. coverage, right? And yep. Jarvis was supposed to be a slot guy doing the underneath routes with great hands, getting you those first downs, right? Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, and then you got Higgins, and you've got like I mean, uh, there's a couple of the rookies who are doing. Who's that? I forgot that rookie guy who was doing really well last year uh, before he got hurt. Uh, we, we we've got a really deep receiver core now. Yeah, that is made so much better just by the presence of OBJ. They've got to throw everyone over to him, and this opens up stuff for Doku too in the middle. Oh yeah, and on the seam, like this opens up everything for a quarterback as talented as as Baker. Does does um. Does the trade, um, the other trade we made, worry you a bit, weakening our offensive line? I, I'm going to defer to Uncle Granty, who I, w I, I wish we had time to, to, to get him into the podcast, and that's, that's my fault. I didn't get the chance to uh, 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 beg for Uncle Granty. God, 
Damn. Yeah. Sorry. Just, just too much going on. But oh, um, get your priorities straight. Seriously. Uh, but no, uh, it, Uncle Granty's take was that, you know, Zyla will be traded, right? Sorry, I can't remember. Yeah. The, I yes. I was, we did not draft him. We, we right. signed him as a free agent from the Bengals. We paid him high money. He probably wasn't worth it, and he's getting a little old. Uh, and if they're going to make a trade like this, they must actually think that this uh, that our draft pick uh, from last year, who I've also forgotten his name, <laughs> uh, is, is ready. Yeah, is ready to step in. And look, we were because he couldn't get any any time because we were trying. I think we tried him out in the tackle spot early on, and he was not good at that. And so, yeah, we put him on the bench because we had, you know, high paying in the guard. We also, so. had a, we also had a messed up left tackle situation all year. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I, I think there's a sign that he's ready, and we'll see if he is. And that that's a big gamble at the end of the day. Uh, but if if that's the case, that's taking a strength and using it to to bolster a weakness in the, on, on the on the Browns, which again tells me that they also don't think that highly of Ogba. That Ogba is okay, but he's not like eh, great. He's yes. certainly not as good as that other guy. And I know that we're shopping him now, so maybe that's going to help us get some safety help or something else somewhere else. Um, yeah, I, you're tough. not worried about the offensive line. I have I have mild concerns there. I, I, it was an offensive line that wasn't great. Yeah. It sort of felt like it was coming together at the end. of. The, I mean, it was billed as a strength going into the season, even with Joe Thomas retiring. Mm. Felt like it was a little susceptible throughout the year, although maybe that really changed once he was, you know, Gone. had his, his unsteady hand off the wheel. I mean, that was incredible how the offensive line completely changed. Uh, yeah. After he left. That's was just weird. Not just, not just Hugh, but honestly, uh, uh, Todd Haley. Um. So yeah, we'll we'll see. I, I'm and that's the only little line. spot of, of slight worry that I have about that offense. Mm-hmm. But the, um, same, the only thing that's different is, is the guard position. Uh, and yeah, and the, and I'm not super confident about Robin tackle either. I mean, we resigned him for what seven million? Yeah, for one for year. One year, which seems a little weird though, because it it, I, it must mean that they they have mild confidence in him, but not a lot of confidence. Right. Because why not sign him to a multi-year deal with options if you think he's going to be okay? If you if you have confidence in him, otherwise he has a good year and you lose him. I sort of thought they were going to draft a left tackle with their first-round draft pick, which obviously won't happen now. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. There's just some uncertainty there that, that eats at me a little. Yeah. I mean, they seem really high on the young guy, too, that they, that they started out the year with. And replaced with Robinson, uh, I wonder if they're still thinking that he still has the talent to develop into that role long term, and that's why they yeah. gave Robinson one year. I don't know. I mean, Robinson did a great fucking job. I mean, so yeah, I think he was a little uh, penalty ridden, yeah, and, and, and maybe they have confidence that they can overcome that. And listen, I, I still am unclear if we were terrible at drafting or terrible at player development or just terrible at both. I think I made this point. I can't remember who I was talking to. Did you notice how many former Browns were on playoff teams this year? Yeah. All over the place. And even our bad player, like Barkevius Mingo was playing on the Seahawks. <laughs> Pierre Desirs resuscitated his career. Shelton was getting minutes. It was just, I, just all over the place. Guys that we'd given up on and, and thought couldn't do anything were there. And I just don't – I don't know. The organization was so broke. I don't know. That's very true. Blame and – 
that's very maybe true. Maybe I just need to get used to the idea that we can develop players. I mean, that's kind of true, but at the same time, most of the names you just named were expected to be like superstars. They were first round, most of the first oh, round yeah. picks. That's and true. They're, they're not and, they're, and they were they were playing bit roles. So like that that was I was our trash because they were busts that turned someone else's treasure. Pierre Desir is a different story. Uh, I was always confused why we lost him. He was a tall, serviceable quarterback who was drafted in the middle rounds. It was a good pick. I don't know why we ever lost him. That was weird. Um, it's probably Pat. It's probably because we were the worst uh, franchise in the league. If uh, I had to guess. You, you may have put. You may have if put, I had to guess, that had no plan and uh, an amoral fool of an owner <laughs> running the organization. I mean, if I had to guess. Well, I, I guess that's a pretty good educated guess. Um, craziest thing, Matt, is that I I, I got to start the I, I got to get direct TV back and get Sunday. Oh yeah, Thursday you do, buddy. You fuck? know what's exciting for me, Patty? What's that? The Browns play out here in San Francisco this year. Ooh, we get to go to a game. Browns have the the NFC West and the and the Niners game is out here. So I'm already. I mean, the schedule hasn't been announced yet, so I don't know when it is. But I'm that- already thinking about making that hour-and-a-half-long trek down to that hellhole to watch the game. Yeah, be great. Uh, my family was very close to, to selling the season tickets uh, before the trade happened, and now uh, – Oh, boy. Well, just, just knowing that we can sell tickets for, like, a profit now <laughs> for the games we don't go to <laughs> uh, is, is a huge boon. It's, like, been worth it now. Now I can go and get the, you know, the, the season ticket value. I can go to a game if I – Oh, yeah. For it. So uh, I'm gonna have to schedule some time for a Browns game. Excited about this. The um, yeah, your dad is on the short list of people I'm happiest for in all this. I think you don't understand. My dad, even before the OBJ trade, was sending like weekly emails about with like 10, 12 minute videos of compilations of Baker Mayfield highlights. My dad has completely turned around on the Browns and is obsessed. Like he is the Cleveland sports fan. In the sense that, like, when you wonder why the why Cleveland sports fans are so much more into the, into the football and the Browns than the Cavs and all that stuff, uh, this is it. My dad always cared about the, about the Cavs. He always loved the Cavs. Like, we had those, like, partial season tickets for years. Uh, and, and uh, no, but he he is obsessed to the point of, like, I can't even read all his emails anymore. Yeah. Like, just like and, I, and I love reading, like, content about the Browns, but, like, I, it's too much. My dad's a little too obsessed. He's too excited. <laughs> That's exciting. It. I like an excited Michael McMenamin. It's fine. It's fine. Just you know, yes, he, he he is he is a he is a fun guy to be around for uh for exciting sports times, and, and he was around for that uh, that last game against the Ravens. Uh, that was a fun that was a fun game to watch with him. That right. Was, that was like old times. That was super he, enjoyable. He, he, Even he as a loss, that, that was super enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Patty. Um, all right, we yeah. Move on, but this is exciting. Let's uh, let's yes. make a commitment to come back and talk post draft, maybe because free agency should be wrapped up. We'll have a better picture of what the team's going to look like. I love it. I love it, and that's in April, so like there'll be like some baseball talk about that. Oh, point. we'll have baseball yeah. to talk about some more. Baseball. All right, yeah. so, so you, you have it here. This is the first podcast. We're going to come back in about a month post draft. Uh, talk about the Browns and talk about uh, uh, you know where the uh, Indians, the Cleveland baseball team is. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, meantime, let's go on to the Cavs and LeBron, if you're up for it. Oh, I'm up. I'm always up to talk about so this. Listen, uh, this week was a great Zach Lowe article, uh, mo- mostly focused on does the season hurt LeBron's uh, GOAT argument. Uh, 
And I think the answer, Maddie, just off the bat is yes. Yes. <laughs> Not a 100%. good, this is bad legacy for sure. Um, 100%. I'm a LeBron stan, but 100% this hurts. This is bad for him. Like, now, I don't until, like until his injury was fine. It was neutral. Till his injury was neutral. His injury happened, helped bolster it. When he came back, though, they just faded so badly that uh, it, that's not good. No. It, it, and it's less about his play on the court. Yeah. Which is, he's doing his usual thing, right? I mean, he's, he doesn't give it 100% because he's saving himself for something. And yep. Whatever that is. I don't disagree with that. I have a hard time arguing with it. Yep. Um, but more about all the other stuff, which to me is sort of like, why he chose LA. Like he made a decision to do that for whatever. And I say this with no bitterness as a Cavs fan. He gave yeah. me everything I could hope for and more. Um, but he clearly no made problem. a decision that was not about championships. Yep. That was about his family and off court stuff and whatever else. And again, God bless him for it. But um, I don't know how that doesn't hurt him. Yeah. And you can't say whatever. Is he exhibiting leadership at all with that organization? It sure doesn't feel like it. It feels doesn't like, feel like his relationships with the young players there at all. I mean, is he I, a good leader? I don't know. You know, like I think that's a reasonable question to ask, especially as you watch Kyrie melt down and pretend to be a leader and call LeBron. You know, all that nonsense. I don't know. It's tough, and then, well, well yeah. I, I don't know how good a leader Michael Jordan was either. By the way, he's a sociopath. Exactly. No, he wasn't. He was really good. Like I. I think that's probably overrated. Look, let, but, let me, uh, all let of me, that I think is I, I don't see how it doesn't hurt his legacy. Let I think you have a rant coming up, but let me have a rant about Michael Jordan for a second. Uh, Michael Jordan's greatness was an accident of fucking history of having an incredibly historically weak NBA to compete against when he had and happened to luck into look great fucking player, like one of the greatest of all time. But he happened to uh, 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 combine with another great player of all time in an era where there were no other fucking greats of anywhere near either of those two players' stature in the entire fucking league. They never fucking beat a 73 win team. Uh, and you can they beat be some a good teams, path. Patty. They beat some good teams, but being a sociopath does not make you a good leader. Being good at basketball and having to be with another Hall of Fame player. Against a, you know, like those were good teams, Maddie, but none of them compared to the teams that LeBron has had to play. I mean, the, the 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 peak Spurs and the peak Warriors, Jordan never had to play those teams. So that's no, especially was, especially peak Warriors. Yeah, absolutely. But Jordan never had to play peak Spurs. N not, not even close. No other team he played was even good as peak Spurs. The Jazz were not nearly even close to the the or the the the, the Trailblazers back then. We're not anywhere close to as good as Peak Spurs. That's fair, uh, and, and I think that's that, that's one of those accidents. So, so, so put that aside. LeBron, I think, is a good leader, but again, you, I don't think that team is built up right. As that's a oh, unqu unquestionably. I mean, that the front office, and if LeBron's part of the part of the front office, I, I I don't know how that goes there. He deserves blame, but they put that the roster composition there is terrible. Yeah. Laughably bad. If LeBron no went doubt. to the to the Sixers, uh, uh, this this is not happening. Uh, uh, the Sixers are going to be uh, the top team in the East, for sure. It sure feels that way to me. For sure. Uh, uh, you know, and there there have been some issues there, but like those are some real legit players. 
the Lakers have a garbage heap of semi-talented players with shitty attitudes. Um, shitty attitudes. Uh, uh, I, I, so I don't. I, like LeBron did that choice. He made that choice for professional reasons, like with the you know being near LA, but also just family reasons. It doesn't sound like it was really about basketball. At the end right. of the day, he realized he does not want to play for fucking Van Gilder anymore, and I can't blame him for that. And says, so, you know what? If I can't find the right situation, I just want to like actually be with my family, enjoy my life. Let me ask you this, Patty. Um, people tend to avoid this topic with Jordan. Um, LeBron's still playing basketball this year. Would he have been better off just retiring fucking off and fucking off and playing double uh, A baseball for a year for no reason? And just shitting on his legacy like that, like I, th- that Jordan gets a pass for that year is a little bit of bullshit to me. A thousand percent bullshit. Whatever yeah. his reasons, at least LeBron's still playing basketball. Let LeBron play basketball and dog it for two years. How is that worse than retiring for two years? Yes. I mean, yes, he gets he gets the stats, and so that helps him in the long run. But like, whatever. We knew LeBron was going to pass Jordan and all these stats, anyways. Uh, yeah. No, I think that's a fair point to make. Is like if he's making this transition year. Like that's why I'm saying the book's not closed in this. No, no, no. He he definitely can resuscitate. Like this doesn't. This hurts. Yeah. It's not. Uh, it's not that he can't recover from it. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the I don't know exactly how that happens. That's a story for another podcast. Lakers signing or trading with somebody huge and creating a super team that LeBron can be uh, a a cog in. Uh, That that's that's where this turns. Yeah, and having and having more big moments. He's just not going to have those this year. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Matt, you, you had a you had a Kyrie rant you wanted to go off on. I'm just going to tee you up. Kyrie related, related. Um, yeah. So I'll just say when when he left, I think you and I had a conversation on a podcast of like you know to watch out for what you're getting here, Boston. Uh, yeah, and, and it has been extremely edifying to see that come to fruition in in much the way that we suspected. Right. Yeah. Like all this, I remember there was all that like. Uh, Oh, Kyrie's in here. He's got a lot of Kevin Garnett in him. So he's an, he's just an alpha. He's, I was like, this is nonsense. Ky- Kyrie is an sort ass- of an asshole. He's an asshole. Definitely a baby. Super moody. Um, I, like none of this is a surprise to me. Yeah. Um, the my related rant is not so much about him, but I do you see the thing? Uh, Adam Silver gave that interview at the Sloan Sports Conference about how unhappy his players are. Huh. No, how that that was he's just like I think a lot of guys in this league are just unhappy, and so you look at Kevin Durant, who's I'm out here in in San Francisco. Everybody here just knows he's leaving after this year. That's just everybody's resigned to it. Yeah, um, he's miserable. Why is he miserable? Right, he's in about the best basketball situation he could be in. Um, San Francisco for off the court stuff is about as good a spot as you could be in or is you know it's equal to new york or la for business opportunities or whatever um just miserable and i think these i don't know there's we've had this debate about player empowerment and them being able to make decisions about where they go and i think there is a little paradox of choice stuff going on here Hmm. where rather than being someplace and saying i'm here and i gotta make decisions to be happy with where i'm at it is, and this is a very millennial thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm not happy, and I'm the circumstances are what's wrong, not anything with me. And so, if I change those circumstances, I will be happy, and I will continue chasing changing those circumstances uh, because I am incapable or don't want to address the thing that's really going on. And I sort of wonder if 
the star power in basketball is going in that direction. And we're just going to end up with a lot of guys that are miserable every year because they're not willing to commit and be part of a team and something that's bigger than themselves, which is where human beings actually find meaning and happiness. That is very profound. I, I think that's very true for Kyrie in the sense that Kyrie uh, isn't going to be happy because he's Kyrie. Uh Durant, though, I think is a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think he's unhappy because he knows it's empty. Uh, and I'd love that. I'd love that to be true. No, I, think, just... I do think it's true. I think he gets some satisfaction out of it, but he gets even more resentful that he knows a huge chunk of the world doesn't give him credit for it. Mm-hmm. And nothing he can do on the court will ever change that, and that feels infuriating. On top of that, he has to play with fucking Draymond all the time. Uh, and it's no walk and, in the park. Yeah, that's no walk in the park. Uh, and he knows that he had a really great team with another guy he was frustrated by. Uh, that could have, but again, that's, that uh, speaks to something that I'm saying. Like, can you just make it work someplace where you're at, where people really cared about you? You know, I have that feeling a little bit with LeBron with how sad that him passing Jordan was in LA, and a bunch of people wrote about how amazing it would have been if that had happened in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Like, people would have gone, Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. And it just it just felt so dead, and you're you're giving something up, and I wonder if guys realize how much they're they're giving up there. And it's and it's not just Kyrie and and KD, right? Anthony Davis feels like there's a similar thing brewing there. Kawhi, if he jumps from Toronto to go someplace else, is he really going to be happy wherever he goes? Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't know. It feels like there's a a real run of that in the league right now. Absolutely, and that's and it feels theory. like it's tied to something larger generationally. Adam Silver talked about how these guys are so isolated. So travel experiences that used to be bonding are now spent with air, you know, your earbuds in and just watching stuff on your phone and not talking to anybody. And I know there's a larger thing about anxiety and depression and mental health amongst kids that are coming up in that era. Um, Social media, all that. They think they're friends with guys that they're talked to on social media, but actually don't know them at all. And I just think the NBA is a very interesting manifestation of that with guys who have all the trappings of success and things that should make them happy and aren't. That, that, these are great points. And this is a great transition, actually, into another point I was thinking about making. Um, it, if you think about it, a lot of this all stems from the Durant decision to sign with the Warriors. Oh, because, so much. Because think about it. I think about how much happy the Warriors would have been as a team if they hadn't gotten Durant. They wouldn't have won championships because the Cavs would have beat them. Uh, but, but like that would have been that squad, right? That squad yep. would stayed together. We're stayed together as a unit and as an identity. Like the, the, their identity would have been the same, uh, and you would have had a much more satisfying finals in 2017 with this with an actual rematch. I kept joking yep. in 2017 saying. This ain't a rematch. You guys got Durant, and you basically conceded the argument that we were better than you. Yeah. Well, it's the, over. It's over. The team that would have liked a rematch is the Thunder with Durant on it coming yeah, back at them. Really. Too, right? I, Absolutely. Clearly, for the balance of the league, it would have been much better. And arguably, this Cavs team stays together. Who knows? Like, the what if? Oh, my God. Exactly. Everything would have been better in this league because these teams would have been forced to stay together. Durant yeah. doing that. Fuck the whole league up. Everyone went crazy. I've got to go here. I've got to go there. Well, if I'm going to match the Durant, uh, adding Durant to a 73-win team, the second-best player in the league, the 73-win team, that fucks everything up. Yeah. And that's why everyone's going crazy right now. 
And that's and then, why he left. That's why, like, Anthony Davis did the shit he's doing. That's why LeBron eventually went to LA. He's like, fuck this shit. I don't want to yeah. play for Dan Gilbert and not win. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's an interesting time in the league. It really um, is. Yeah. I'm Big so word, fascinated though. to see what happens. Uh, uh, this reminds me, though, that, like, the 2017 Cavs team, which had Corver in it, um, which did not win the championship. Uh, oh, it's like a top. A top twenty team of all time, definitely. I, I don't go higher than that. I think, right? I go top ten easily. Like, first of all, I set tons of records, not just because of the crappy East. It's set NBA Finals records against the the the, the Warriors team. Yeah, we beat us four to one. Like, we went nuts that year, and we could it could have been a more competitive series if a few shots went a different way. For sure, we've uh, talked about that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And he's the best of those teams. I uh, we were on board with that going into that year. I think going yeah. into the playoffs that year. And, and and RJ was right when he said that basically, like we would have whooped that original Warriors team with the 2017 team. I've always thought that. Oh, easily we would have. Even if we didn't add Corver, we would have beaten them. But still, with Corver, all that shit, man, we would have whooped those guys. You know, it goes to my my favorite thing to tell um, Warriors fans to get them mad here is that. Um, you can't win a championship with Steph Curry as your best player. It's never <laughs> happened. It's never Ooh. happened. He needed KD to win him. He wasn't their best player in 2015. That's why he didn't win MVP. He was actually quite bad in that series. He's horrible in that series. Uh, it makes people, oh, I've almost been in fights saying that to people. It makes them so, because then you start saying that, you're like, well, you never won MVP. You, you tell me. Can you win if he's your best player? Sure doesn't seem like it. <laughs> Things I do to amuse myself out here, Patty. Um, so the Cavs are the Cavs got crushed to, tonight by the Orlando Magic, not surprisingly, Ooh. but they have been playing so much better and yeah. uh, like really enjoyable to to watch for the most part lately. And bizarrely, for a team that's going to finish with one of the three worst records in the league, most likely, this year has been way more fun than last year. Yeah. And it reminds me just how t- like Kyrie leaving. Knowing the whole season that LeBron was going to be gone, you know, that, that Dwayne Wade sort of confirmed in that interview. And he was like, yeah, I came to the team. I knew LeBron was leaving after the year. And it was like, oh, God, it was really just we suspected, but it was just out there like that as an open thing. It just knowing that the war that we just didn't have the juice to beat the Warriors. There was no way that trade going down in such a weird way The trade in the middle of the season, blowing everything. It was just such an unpleasant year. Yeah, um, it just so, it, it, one, I'm used to being bad, and I could, this is sort of my uh, milieu as a, as a Cleveland fan. I, I know how to do this. When you have um, no expectations, uh, yeah. it's easy to be pleased. Uh, and I am. I, I was pleased by our close loss to the Sixers the other night. Uh, it was fun to watch. And it's a, it's a group of guys that honestly looks like they enjoy playing together. Uh, Kevin Love feels like a real leader. Yeah. Dare I say it on this team? Yeah. Um. <sighs> Your your son Chetty is looks like he's going to be a real NBA player. I was worried about halfway through the season, but I, I think he's watching him shoot threes. It's so beautiful. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to top out at, but he belongs in the league. I feel much better about Colin Sexton than I did six months ago. Much better. I was surprised at how he turned shit around. Right. Um, that's a great. That's a great base to build off of. Like you, you add a, a, a if we can get a top four pick. Uh, I mean that that can turn the team into a competitive team, and that's really all. I, that's all I want. 
It's what and, it's, and I think they're doing now, again, Gilbert, for all his faults, the one thing he's always been willing to do and continues to do is spend money. We're going to finish with one of the three, again, probably three worst records in the league. We are like just like maybe by thousands of dollars under the luxury tax for this year. Wow. Not the salary cap, the luxury tax. Uh, yeah, geez, we're paying some people some crazy salaries and he'll do it again next year. And my guess is we flip that J.R. Smith contract that, it's, you know, that is, you can buy out for much less than it's worth. We flip right. that to help another team create cap space um, and stay right there for more draft assets. Um, we're starting to build back up a nice little war chest. Um, yeah, there's a path forward this time that feels much more reasonable than we had last time. And especially knowing that uh, LeBron's not going to fall back into our laps again to to make everything work. I feel I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to rooting for this team. Yeah, me too. And like I, I like all the gambles to be able to, be able to make on a bunch of players like uh, Marcus Smith and uh, Chris. Uh, Chris, excuse me, Marcus Chris, right? Who who got suspended for uh, defending himself after being choked and punched? Oh God, Abacus. Out of control, man. I, I think it's. I, I I I hope that suspension gets revoked. Uh, he got for Chris. He already punched. served. He served it. That's crazy. That's why he was out for the the Sixers got, game. Right, but that that that's bullshit. Yeah, I don't know what else he was supposed to do. What the fuck, he's supposed to do. The man's choking you, pipes in the face. Yeah, you punch back. That's ridiculous. Yeah, like you that gotta. Be, that was bad by Keith anyway. Like you gotta be able to like do <laughs> some common sense here. Like, if you're being grabbed, choked, and punched, you can't be held responsible for punching back. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I totally uh, agree. So stupid. Especially because he didn't really do anything to warrant yeah. it. Whatever he said to him. I mean, what's the reporter you was saying to him? Like, that's a bitch move. Could be in a bit. Something like that. It seems yeah. not not worthy of, the, of that kind of explosion on Ibaka's part. No, no. Uh, so I'm glad I traded Ibaka away before I won my championship in basketball. basketball. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm just trying. I'm trying to rest on my laurels uh, as, as a champion. Uh, Maddie, we got like ten minutes for uh, some tribe. Yeah, let's let's do a little tribe time, man. Spring training. I'm getting excited. Maddie Santana's back. How do you feel? I'm glad to have him back. I always like Santana. I, I always had a soft spot for him. I do. I didn't mind seeing him walk for that money. Yeah. Um. But ah, I'm I'm happy to have him back. He's an I'd Indian. Rather, I'd rather have him, honestly, at this point in his career than uh, um, than Encarnacion. Yeah, Encarnacion. Oh no, he's more. It's I I totally agree. He can do more in the field. I think he's his on base percentage is going to be way better. Maybe his power. Who knows what happens with Encarnacion? I could sort of see him just really falling off. Yeah, that's. I what could I'm see about. Santana didn't have a great year last year. I could see him bouncing back a little. Um. I just like him more. Yeah. Oh, like, ours. Somebody was saying on the uh, the athletic uh, about how like like the familiar music being played and the dancing and like like that's that's great and you can't put a put a number on that. That's that's some good that's some good mojo. Totally, uh, totally agree. But uh, so Kluber, Cookie, and Bauer are all still here. You don't put Clevenger in there, Patty. Well, we were. I don't think we were worried about Clevenger being traded. Oh, whoa. you're just saying from a trade perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll still hear. Like Cookie, I mean Cookie resigned, so we knew he was going to be sticking around. But like, but for a time, Kluber, Cookie, and Bauer were the guys we were floating out there for trades, right? For sure, for sure. 
Uh, and we ended up not doing it. Uh, do you feel good about that? Do you feel like we should have traded one of them? Uh, I, it wasn't clear to me that we were going to get value back for any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I don't even know. What would the package be? I don't, I don't know what we want, you know? I think we wanted um, major league ready young talent, particularly in the outfield, plus two prospects. It's hard um, to pull off, yeah. I, I just don't know that it ever materialized. I don't know. None of the deals I heard floating around sounded great to me. I'm happy to have them all. I mean, it's a nasty starting rotation. I think Beaver will take a step forward again this year. Clevenger is going to be even better. But um, if it is, like, if we have, like, six really, really, really above average starting pitchers, which we kind of do in the sense that you add uh, Clevenger to that mix, you add um, um, Bieber to that mix, and any, any other young guys that are starting quality pitchers, there's no reason we can't start using them in a certain different way. Like, uh, uh, you know, like like the new fangled, uh, what do we call it, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays that, that don't the have openers. Stuff openers you know not that i want to use them as openers but like, you know bauer thinks he should be pitching every four days that's what i'm saying that he can maybe we have bauer be an opener you know and the other guy like bauer's crazy man like he is not you read that article yeah uh, no but but you, you I've should read about, i've read about it <laughs> he's crazy it's worth reading the whole thing contracts and shit that dude's nuts but like he's an interesting character man but, like, uh, I don't know. I want to experiment with Bauer because he's crazy and we're going to lose him soon anyway. So, like, let's, <laughs> let's. Yeah, this might be the end of things with him. I mean, he's going to sign a massive, massive um, deal next year or go to arbitration. Maybe we pay him one more, but it wouldn't shock me. I, I Honestly, depending on what happens during this year, it wouldn't shock me if we trade him during the season. Wait, how many more years do you have him under control, I thought? How many one like more. Years? Next year is the last one for Bauer. He'll go to arbitration next year, and his arbitration gets weighed against what he would be as a free agent, which means he'll probably get arguably 25 to 30-something million dollars in arbitration next year. Jesus. Um, We are going to pay that. And he's going one year. Right. So this is probably it for him. This is it. So, yeah, we could pay him a year. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Um, Well, that's interesting. I understand now why we're trying to trade him. Uh I mean, that's certainly, again, nothing shocking here. That's the strength of the team. The bullpen, there's reason to be concerned about. They're also, you know, I'm not a big believer in throwing money at a bullpen. Um, I sort of trust our our ability to develop guys. Yeah. And it's so fluky performance in the bullpen year to year that I I don't mind to throw it all against the wall and see what sticks approach. And I more or less trust Tito to, to sort that out. I mean, the year goes on, and let's like let's lean heavy on our starters. We have them for a reason. Mm-hmm. We got Brad Hand, and what else? The uh, Simber, the other guy who came over, the, like the sort of side armor who came over in the Mejia deal from the Padres. He was bad last year, but underperformed what he'd done previously. All right, I don't feel great about that. Uh, Oliver Perez, who. Uh, Oh my god! Won? He did well. I just every time I watched him, the way he holds his glove drove me crazy, and I yeah. felt like he was a crazy person. Yeah. Uh, uh, they got high hopes for him. Tyler Clippard, who they signed in the off season, I think they're hoping he'll to come in and do a little something. That's true. Um, Cody Anderson, young? young guy, right? What's that? Cody Anderson. 
Cody Anderson, he was a prospect and a starter a few years ago. He had Tommy John surgery, and his, this is his first year coming back. So we'll yeah. see what he does. He's not so young anymore. That's true. Um, huh? And yeah. then it is a bunch of young guys. Ramirez, um, who's the young lefty that was lights out for us two years ago and then was not so great last year. I'm totally blanking on his name. But they, they got just guys that they can float out there. And some guys in the minors they can bring up. You know, there's the sort of the – I don't know the the long shot that Salazar will come back and be ready to go at some point in the year, and it's clear that he's going to be in the bullpen. I mean, it's I been it's been what almost two years since he pitched, right? Uh, yeah, he got hurt at the end of the World Series year, right? Jesus, man, that's a and lot. Never and never really came back. He's been back yeah. in starts and fits, but never really more or less done for the last two years. So listen, nobody count on that, obviously, but. They got guys. I think Tristan yeah. McKenzie you could see this year. Well, that's right, Tristan McKenzie. I forgot about depending it. On, I mean, that's our top prospect, so depending on what he does. Obviously, the um, the outfield is an enormous, enormous concern. I, I don't know. Up and down our lineup, there's concerns. I think there's a little reason to be worried about Jose Ramirez. I mean, there's a lot of people that are sort of discounting how bad he was the second half of the year uh, and just banking well, on the bouncing half. It was the last two months in playoffs, um, but I, I'm very worried that that people found a hole in his in his in his uh, approach. I mean, to just play. wasn't hitting breaking stuff. Period. Yeah. So that's a, you know Frankie's hurt to begin the year. I think he's going to be fine, but yeah. So and, I mean, we only got like a couple more years of Frankie too. Like Frankie's not going to resign. We're going to accept no, Zero, zero chance of that. Um, we can't afford this. So, I, you know, if, if the lineup's going to do something, we're going to have to have some weird stuff happen. Um, mm-hmm. The kid they got, Bowers, from from Tampa's going to have to show more power than he showed previously. Somebody's going to have to come out of nowhere in the outfield. Um, could be the Mercado, the guy they got from the Cardinals last year. Yeah. Martins actually looked pretty decent so far in spring training. Maybe he could get a little something out of him. Maybe Zimmer comes back and shows something, but it's a lot. I just, a lot of hits in that lineup. Mark. lot. So, it's almost all question marks. So you're excited or not? Catcher. Is this the end? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, I'm always excited because I love baseball and, and it's, it's fun, but um God, in a world where the Red Sox are who they are, the Astros got better, the Yankees got better. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Twins have done enough to pass us, but there, if things could go wrong and the division could could sneak up on us this year. That's entirely possible. Um, it does feel like we're coming to the end of this mini run here. Yeah, that we had um, we had we had. A good window, and as you said, I love about the tribe, the way they're approaching things is to try and keep things from bottoming out, like they have yeah. in the past. Like we, yeah. we are, we are poised to. We have more draft picks, we have more talent coming in, so that we can keep rebuilding while still having, like, you know, we got a couple more years of a lot of the core players on this team uh, to start, you know, adding new players to or trading off those guys to get good prospects to revamp the process so that maybe we go like a year or two over out of the, uh, out of the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, what's, what stinks is in a city that didn't draw, like we went to the world series and didn't draw the next year. That was mm. so disappointing. Yeah. Didn't draw last year. That's definitely hurting revenue, which is, you know, this, this just this vicious cycle. 
where we don't draw, then we have to trade off players and people don't want to come to game. Like, and that's going to, you know, like what's going to happen then when we trade Frankie, if that's the right move to make, it is. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's going to crush. And, you know, I, that part stinks. So I think it's the right move and I trust how the, this, this organization manages itself. I think it's well run. Um, but the inability to invest uh, is clearly hurting them with the fans. And in a world where the Browns are resurgent all of a sudden and eating up There's a lot saying, of bandwidth. The Browns, Matty. Right? Like, Browns. That's tough. Yeah. So it, it does feel a little, ugh. And, you know, that's the thing that stinks about not uh, going to a game seven and not winning. Oh, God damn it. You know, we, that was our shot. And we. Twice, Matty. We blew it. Twice we've been in game seven. Extra innings. Yeah, isn't that unreal? No, has any team been to Game Seven of the World Series twice in extra innings? I, I can't imagine. I, just, just unfucking believable, man. I can't imagine. I mean, I guess the the Braves did the Braves ever? The Braves did it the once with the the Twins, right? That Game Seven went to extras. The Morris Smoltz duel. Yeah, no way. But I can't think off the top of my head if they if that's happened another time. But oh, heartbreak, man. So I, I I'm gonna get up for this year. I'm hoping you know. It's, we talk about this every year. You get into the playoffs and you see what happens. God the damn feel a little more like a buzzsaw with, with the competition that we have, but you don't know. You'd never know. Frankly, again, th- here's my reminder. 2016, the Indians are supposed to be fodder for the Red Sox. Then we're supposed to be fodder for the uh, 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 Blue Jays. And then we're supposed to be fodder for the uh, Cubs. Because we had all of our, like, you know, we had so many pitchers who were hurt and injured and couldn't play. All these guys were hurt. And they were so hot at the right time that they took it all the way to game seven and extra innings of the World Series. So just get oh, yeah. the playoffs. Get the playoffs. And this is a team that can make the playoffs. So and even remember the beginning of that year, we were playing with Marlon Bird starting in right field. I think great. Colin Cowgill started in the outfield that first game. Wanya Rebe was playing third base for us. Like a bunch of stuff changed and guys, guys surprised you. And baseball's awesome like that. And you could have a prospect you weren't expecting to do something all of a sudden, what a year together. Um, and you find yourself in the playoffs and then who knows what happened. So there's, there's reason to pay attention, but uh, it wouldn't shock me if things when there's a lot of ways that things could go sideways this year. Absolutely. Um, so be, you know, be prepared for that. But it seems like it, it, finally, Patty will have something else to be excited about in August when, when, uh, when two a days start for the Brownies and we can be excited about that. So we only, we only need the, the tribe to get us through July. Absolutely. So, so uh, on that note, uh, go, uh, go tribe, go calves. And uh, finally, go, go- Finally, go Brown. Go Brown. What is this world, Patty? What's going on? What is happening? We have a professional football team. All right. uh, That does it for the Cleveland Sports Hour. Uh, Until next time, uh, this is Maddie and Patty saying, We're out of practice. It's been about a year. It's been a while. This is not the end, Patty. It's the beginning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is-